Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome into this bonus episode of the Draft Pod, our mock draft special. First of the season, could not be more excited. Thank you to the good folks at DraftKings for being our presenting sponsor. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, use their promo code DNVR, and you will not regret it. Good stuff. Anyways, Jake Swanitz here with us. Henry had to leave, but we still had to get this in. We cannot wait to do this. It's an interesting one. Broncos have the 12th pick, if I'm not mistaken. We're just using the Draft Network Mock Draft Simulator. There'll be lots to talk about. There'll be lots that we've already talked about in previous pods. Uh, That does not fall under the category of this first pick for the New York Jets, which I think everyone and their mother can agree is going to be Trevor Lawrence, unless Trevor Lawrence pulls an Eli Manning, John Elway. Yeah, or just goes back to Clemson at this point. I mean, yeah, did you so want to play for the Jets? <laughs> I would not, no. <laughs> I would rather play with Cle- for Clemson, frankly. Um, yeah, seriously. But, yeah, this is a no-brainer pick. Where it starts to get interesting is the second pick with the Washington football team. But still, I think this is kind of clear-cut. I'll let you start with your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I think this one's pretty easy also. Um, although, actually, with the way that the Haskins situation has developed, I think quarterback might be more so oh. in play. But, um, I mean, when you got a guy like Penny Sewell there and you just traded away Trent Williams a year ago, you've got a void at left tackle. You can get probably the best left tackle prospect in years oh, yeah. um, just sitting right in front of you. And... I don't, I'm kind of expecting some changes too in this organization, just in how it's run. I mean, Ron Rivera's health is kind of up in the air. Yeah. So I, it's really, this is going to be a real interesting pick as the process goes on. Um, but I think Penny Sewell is probably the right pick. Wouldn't you say? See, interesting because I was leaning Justin Fields the entire oh, way. Oh, were you? Okay. Well, I, and I mean, there's an interesting case to be made for, you know, adding Sewell and having the two building blocks of your franchise be Chase Young on offense and Penny Sewell on uh, yeah. vice versa. What, uh, you, you get what I mean. <laughs> I, and yet it goes, I, I kind of think back to that, um, the Broncos McDaniels era where the mm-hmm. team had been stripped down by the second year with him trading Cutler and Brandon Marshall and, and just about every talented player on that team. And the only remaining building blocks were Elvis Dumerville on defense and Ryan Clady on offense. Extraordinary at premium positions, arguably the two most important positions in football outside a quarterback. Um, neither, though Ryan Clady is one of the best offensive tackles of this millennium, I believe. Neither quite had what we project Chase Young and Penny Sewell to be. Mm-hmm. 
but they were still, I mean, damn good, like all pro guys at those premier positions. And those teams were still awful. And I just think, I don't know, it's going to be real hard to pass on Justin Fields, but you bring up a great point is who's going to be behind the trigger. Who will be the ultimate decision maker? Because Ron Rivera has been empowered to be that guy. And he's the guy who's having him go off Haskins, you know. But will his health compromise him and make it so that he's not there? And if so, does Schneider go back in the command center? And does he believe in Haskins still? Or does he go after another Ohio State quarterback? It's going to be really interesting um, I don't think it matters too much for the purposes of this mock because whoever we take at two, the guy we didn't take is going to go at three, presumably. Um, mm. But it's an interesting talk to have. I'm going to defer to you, though. If you want to lock in Penny Sewell, we will do Penny Sewell. Yeah, let's have fun. Let's do it. There you go. Beautiful. And now the New York Giants, who – in some ways, we almost do our mock a favor by taking Sewell with the second pick because the Giants do have bigger needs, not just at quarterback, but at edge rusher, linebacker, rather than offensive tackle. Um, so you could get make a, an argument for Micah Parsons, Gregory Russo, uh, and yet if Washington had taken fields, I would be pushing very hard for Sewell to be the pick here because I think, you know, regardless of if it's, if it's your top or your fifth highest need, I don't care. When you have a generational left tackle, you take them. Um, and on the other way, I don't know how you feel about Fields as a prospect. We can get into that right now. I think he at this point is too good to pass up for the Giants as well. Yeah, this creates an interesting situation because either way, you have Fields and Daniel Jones, yeah. or you have Penny Sewell and Andrew Thomas. Hmm. So both both prospects that are on the Giants right now have kind of looked a bit iffy. You know, J- Jones has shown some legit flashes, yeah. but Andrew Thomas has had a really rough start to his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's going to be the left tackle in the future. Surprising because we Jedrick Wills has been outstanding in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tristan Worse, insanely good at Tampa Bay, and yet Andrew Thomas, who seemed like the safest and most polished of all, and in kind of an upset, was the top offensive tackle taken last year. Beckton, though he's dealt with some injuries, has looked quite well as well. Yeah, um, you did not expect Thomas to be that and that's kind of the problem with the Giants right now is Evan Ingram doesn't look great Saquon Barkley hasn't always looked great Daniel Jones hasn't looked great Andrew Thomas like the the rest of them not looking great it's a Mm -hmm. tough spot to be in man and they kind of need a reset button I as a Broncos fan would feel much better about the Pat Shermer hire anytime I put on a Giants game and I see how much they're missing that guy's play calling um, this is another one where even though they have a new head coach that's only been there a year, Ron Rivera, it's due to health reasons. The Giants, it's due to straight-up performance. I don't know how long Judge will be there, but I think they'll kind of be forced to go after Fields. Yeah, and I think this is also where we see 
the lack of edge players kind of already taking its toll mm-hmm. because they have yes. no pass rush whatsoever. Yes. And you're in the third pick and we don't have a pass rusher that we can just pencil in here. So yeah. they have to start three defensive tackles essentially. Yeah. That's well, that's not good, man. Yeah. Not good. So fields it is, but um, the giants are an iffy pick and we get to the next pick, which is the Atlanta Falcons. Those dirty birds, I think, would love to move up a spot and be able to take a hometown kid in Justin Fields and uh, bring him back home and kind of restart this whole thing with Calvin Ridley, with with Julio Jones, with Hayden Hurst, with all they've invested in the O-line and try to rebuild this thing and move on from Matt Ryan without Fields this is a much more open-ended decision, and I don't really know where to start. Grady Jarrett's having an amazing season there in the middle. There are guys in their, in their secondary that I like, like Keanu Neal, like Isaiah Oliver, none mm-hmm. superstars, but nice starters to have. They really, as much as they need a quarterback, there's plenty of talent on offense, and Matt Ryan isn't done yet necessarily though he's certainly on the tail end of his career (sighs) they could really use an edge rusher too jake they could really use an edge rusher just going back to fields though if fields is available and atlanta's on the clock that just has to be the pick right that's a that's a slam dunk oh that'd be such a fire pick for them in a division where the other quarterbacks are bridgewater drew Brees, tom brady you would love to be the first one to restart the clock, get that next generation of quarterback with the top five pick. I mean, all of a sudden, sucking as bad as they have the last couple of years wouldn't hurt so much. You know? And that, yeah. we don't know. We have zero tendencies to go off of. All we know it is it will be a completely new regime. Thomas Dimitrov, Dan Quinn, both gone already. So, we know it'll be a completely new regime. We don't know what tendencies that regime has because we don't know who will be at the command center. I'm leaning Gregory Russo, if nothing else, because we're already seeing there are edge rusher needy teams and outside of the Miami edge rusher who's decided to um, hold... What's the proper verbiage? Hold out? Um, opt out. Opt out? Um, he's kind of... He's clearly the top edge rusher in this class right now, and that might make overdrafting him not hurt as much. So that will be the pick. Also, interesting dynamic that's created. There's a clear top three in this class. I think there's a clear top five in this class, but four and five are wide receivers. And Atlanta, with all the needs they do have, wide receiver ain't one, my friend. No, and they've kind of shown the ability to find guys out of nowhere and kind of plug them in that number three slot and just kind of, you know, get the production that is kind of left on the table once you kind of factor in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Um, Although, God, man, wouldn't it be fun if you had Matt Ryan, Jalen Waddell, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley? Just Alabama all-star receiving core. Truly. Well, they could use a running running back too, I mean – um, maybe that's a nice pick in the second round if you can get an ETN or a Najee Harris or what have you. That wouldn't be a bad way to fill out um, the rest of that roster. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to let you start the discussion on Jacksonville. I feel like I'm talking too much, and Jacksonville is a really interesting one, man. Yeah, uh, this one is – I mean, Jacksonville has been one of the more interesting teams, I think, over the past two, three years when it comes to drafting. You kind of yeah. don't really know where they're going to go, yep. although they kind of have shown that they're probably in rebuilding this defense. I mean, not probably. They are rebuilding now. Right. Um, you know, C.J. Anderson has looked good as the rookie cornerback. So – with Patrick Sertain there, I mean, it's mm. tempting for me because you could have a real awesome cornerback duo like that. Um, also, Micah Parsons available in this spot. Um, you know, Miles Jack is still there. It's kind of been brewing around him too, the trade talks oh. as well. So we don't know how long he's going to be there. Um, and they're also starting Joe Schober at the will. So I don't really think that the linebacking core uh, – is good enough to really pass on Micah Parsons at this point. Um, Interesting. I Kyle Pitts maybe too would be fun. Uh, Kyle Pitts would be really interesting. They have passed on guys like Hawkinson um, in previous drafts that they have been linked to. The yeah. other thing is we don't know this for certain, but I presume this is another uh, another change behind yes. the. Um, uh-huh. Control center, you know, I, I yeah. don't think Doug Marone's going to be there. I would think they'd finally move on from Caldwell, right, as mm-hmm. the GM. Um, now, you, you didn't mention him, but are you tempted by Trey Lance at this pick? Oh, man. Um, I think, you know, just with what you said, the change in regime, uh, Gardner Minshew is a six-round pick. I mean, yeah. he has kind of outplayed his draft position. Sure. But the Jacksonville has no ties to him. I mean, None. they can easily move on from him. And if you fall in love with one of these quarterbacks, I mean, we've seen it. I mean, Arizona a couple of years ago with Josh Rosen on the roster, if you fall in love with one of these guys, you should just take them, man. I mean, having two quarterbacks is better than having no quarterback. So yeah. it would be as much as you kind of want to, you know, start rebuilding in other places. If you can improve at quarterback and get a guy with a fifth-year option, I think you kind of have to. So I'll I'll have some fun with it, and we'll put Trey Lance here in this spot. Let's do it. Now, of course, so much of this depends on – like if it was still Doug Marone and Jay Gruden's offense, Trey Lance. Now the Grudens, at least John, has shown a willingness to want more athleticism and want to adapt or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, Jay strikes me less so. But again, what if a Brian Dable was here? What if yeah. he was the head coach, the the Bills offensive coordinator who's looked so well with Josh Allen, Trey Lance would feel like a great fit in a guy like that's offense um, mm-hmm. with his resume. So we move on to number six, the Minnesota Vikings, who as of, we're recording this on Thursday, we're publishing it Friday, but as of today, officially, officially in rebuild slash tank mode, they trade Yannick Ngakwe, who they had just acquired from the Jacksonville Jaguars and basically lose a whole pick worth in value um, by getting only a third rounder in return rather than a second rounder. Jake's shaking his head. It is baffling. It is horrendous, horrendous asset management and team building. Um, ah, Burn it all to the ground in Minnesota. But in lieu of being able to do that, what do you do here with the sixth overall pick? to try and give this team an identity, to try and jumpstart the Vikings who who were such a good team just two, three years ago and are now are horrendous. 
I think the Vikings are a big Black Monday candidate this year. I think oh, it yeah. wouldn't be surprised to see oh, Spielman yeah. and Zimmer out the door. Yes. Uh, come, I guess Monday after Week 17. Yeah. You know, it's just they're still chasing that Case Keenum year, man. Um, oh yeah. And you know, I guess looking at what they have now, you do have a couple of young positives, especially Justin Jefferson, who looks like a superstar. Hundred um, percent. You know, they drafted Jeff Gladney, Cam Dantzler uh, mm-hmm. for the cornerbacks last year. Yeah. So I think the defense, I mean, you got rid of a lot of playmakers on defense over the past couple yeah. of years. And now that you got rid of Yannick Ngakwe, there's just not much left. Uh, even though they have Eric Kendricks, I mean, can you pass on Micah Parsons here? Just another game changer. Yeah, and they've been obsessed with cornerbacks. I could see them going cornerback again. But, you know, again, if this is a Black Monday candidate, you're talking about a whole new regime. That tendency probably changes. Their defensive front is where I would really add. Uh, But, yeah, you're right. I think Parson and Pitts are the best prospects available. Um, And I think you got to – I think Parsons is the guy you got to prioritize here. Yeah. Wide receiver um, would be really tempting. It's not bad value at this point, but you have Jefferson man. and Thielen. How do you but justify you could get Jamar Chase that? back at them? If you get Chase and Jefferson back together, man, that could be really fun. Plus Thielen, Irv Smith isn't a bad tight end. Dalvin Cook comes back healthy. Yep. Could do a lot worse. Um, I think this is where you start considering Leatherwood for teams. Definitely. Um, He's not on this draft network uh, rankings list for some reason for me for this top area. Um, but the way he's played so far is kind of – he's just been solid. I don't think yeah. – I mean, the tackle class isn't near what it was last year. Nope. But Leatherwood, with Sewell opting out and, you know, the Texas guy – Texas overall has been kind of iffy. Um, but I think Leatherwood's really kind of seized an opportunity to improve his stock so far. And I – are, are we talking top 10 with him? Are we, are we ready for that? I think he will be a bit of a reach in the top 10, but I think he will be a top 10 prospect if for nothing else because of need. But I think, I think as we try to figure out what building block to give the Vikings, I think you're right. Parsons is a best player available or right right at that level though i don't know i mean i kind of like certain more i like these wide receivers more i I might like kyle pitts more Mm -hmm. but i'm i'm down with parsons let's stick to that for now and uh you have the the miami dolphins um and i think this might be the easiest pick of the entire mock because they could use a wide receiver they've added to a lot of the other areas And now we have a bit of a debate that isn't a debate to you and I because we kind of agree that Jalen Waddell is wide receiver one. It's proving out to be the case. And when your quarterback is to a tag of Iloa. Yeah, exactly. I think you'd also be smart to lean that way with his former teammate and uh, arguably his, well, not really, his favorite weapon was Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so another guy who's available here, Jamar Chase, for would sure. be the, the main candidate for most teams. But we're going against the grain. We're going to go Waddle here, who's going to be a really nice weapon paired with Preston Williams, who gives you that size. Devontae Parker, who's been good enough. Mike Gusecki, that athletic freak at tight end. Now you add 
that deep ball separator. Um, and in the end, because of those tools, I do think Waddle will end up going higher than where people are projecting and higher than Jamar Chase, who does everything right. He's such a technician. He's just a baller and playmaker, but he doesn't have that high-end raw skill that is going to make you a top five pick. Like, mm-hmm. you, you need those. And yeah, I could have said the same about Ju- Judy, who's a completely different player, but when we talk about Judy, I would say, you know, he does lack that elite size or elite, like, speed um, yeah. to make it work. So with that seventh pick in the book, we're basically at the halfway point. I remind you to check out our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, the top-rated app in the country use promo code dmvr when you do and you can get this can't miss offer pick either minnesota or michigan bet one dollar on them and cash a hundred dollars if they win that's one dollar to win a hundred dollars when you use promo code dmvr during sign up for a limited time only at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit match and a first um yeah, first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We had a bunch of college football picks in our Thursday edition of the Draft Pod. Check those out. You can put all those in at the DraftKings Sportsbook. I mean, it's just a great resource, great app and a great sponsor for us. So support them because they support us. Now the Leatherwood question becomes interesting because we are at eight, the first divisional rival for the Denver Broncos, the Los Angeles Chargers, who all of a sudden they're the bell of the ball, if not for some of these injuries, which always seem to happen for them on defense and were kind of expected to happen um, this year for them. Um, you know, outside of the offensive line, this team is looking young and stacked in a lot of areas. Though I'm sure they watch the 49ers and wish they had Jason Brett or someone like that back. For sure. Um, the defense is really good, I think, on all three levels. Um, you know, Chris Harris has kind of been dealing with injuries. I don't think he's played in a few weeks. So, yeah. you know, you're kind of missing your prize acquisition on defense. Although you do have Kenneth Murray playing well in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Um for me, this comes down to two positions. I think defensively, you're fine. Uh, we already yes. talked about tackle, but could you imagine another wide receiver here? Do you really want to get Justin Herbert going early? That's one way to do it. Um, yeah. Especially with Devontae Smith. I mean, you already have Keenan Allen. Mm-hmm. If Devontae Smith is under Keenan Allen, Devontae Smith's ceiling is going to be massive because yeah. Keenan Allen is already one of the finer route runners in the league. and. Yeah. Now you get Devontae Smith, who's pretty polished already coming out under him. Right. Uh, that's intriguing to me. So, but I don't know if – I know. Do we see these Bama receivers go back-to-back like this? And that – now this would be an upset over Jamar Chase, but I think you're right. For the Chargers, with the outside guys – now Keenan Allen can play a lot in the slot. So you could do Allen in the slot, Chase Williams outside. But I think Smith gives you a little more versatility. Kyle Pitts would be really intriguing too, oh, man. man. Yeah. Who's going to have you know the what? size to stop Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Kyle Pitts? Who's got the size to line up with that, dude? Seriously. And then, and then 
speedy little Eckler out the backfield. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be one of the best 12 personnels in the league already. I think at that point, if you added pits um, right. and you know what, I, I think we have to put pits here because mm. I think he is definitely on that Hawkinson level of, you know, yes. he's just yes. so good that he's a top 10 player and Kyle Pitts too. The more I watch him, man, he is so good as a receiver that you could kind of almost line him up and split him out as a receiver. And you're not even really in 12 personnel at that point. You're kind of in an 11 personnel. Exactly. And that's so valuable. I think the position in general is being more valued. I also could see Patrick Sertain or Alex Leatherwood being picks here. Um, but no, I think you're right. I think Kyle Pitts is the one that intrigues me the most here. I'm ready to pull the trigger. Let's yep. do it, my friends. Man, that is going to be no fun to line up with. Now we yeah. have the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, there's a lot of ways we could go. Had Micah Parsons dropped, that would be an intriguing pick. Eagles, we need to remember, as bad as they are, they're also picking at the ninth pick in large part because their last two first-round picks, Andre Dillard and Jalen Rhaegar, haven't been healthy. They've been on the IR. It's a wacky season. I don't need to tell Broncos fans that, that it's just one of those where you can't make too much of injuries piling up. That said, it cannot continue this way with the Eagles not having receiving options. Jamar Chase dropping to them is an absolute gift from God. If Travis Fulgham is playing this good in this offense, just imagine what Jamar Chase could do with Jalen Rhaegar as that deep separator and Goddard and Ertz if Ertz is held on to and renewed. That's a really nice 12 personnel with Miles Sanders out the backfield. Absolutely. I think you kind of have to consider Patrick Sertain in this spot too, but I think you, you nailed it. I mean, this team – We've seen it probably the past three, four years at this point. Other than that Super Bowl year, it's been rough on the outside for them. Carson Wentz, I mean, God bless him, man. He is trying, and he is making stars out of Fulgham. Uh, It's just – Greg Ward Jr. Yeah, yeah, Greg Ward coming up. So, I mean, not that those guys are bad, but if they had some more natural talent outside, this team would be a lot more fun. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Jamar Chase, and we, we couldn't let him drop much further, and he wasn't going to no. go to the Bengals at 10 anyways because with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green, they're just fine. In fact, they're going to trade John Ross, who's been uh, one of the worst Probably. picks in the top 10 we've seen in a while. Um, the Bengals, however, fall very nicely here because offensive tackle, cornerback, and edge rusher are their biggest needs. We've talked about Leatherwood versus Sertain for a couple picks now, and just so happened there were sexier offensive playmakers that we opted for instead. The Bengals would love to pair Jonah Williams, their left tackle from Alabama, with uh, the current left tackle from Alabama, Leatherwood. The guys have played together before, I believe at least. And um, they they could make use of Patrick Sertain. So there's no wrong answer here. Which would you prefer, my friend? I think you have to go with the tackle um, just because – Burrow's just getting destroyed back there, man. It's 100%. And you just don't want to end up with that Andrew Luck scenario where this guy's already battling injuries early in his career and you're kind of just watching this talent that you frankly kind of lucked into 
just kind of evaporate before your eyes. You don't want to see that happen. Um, I think Jonah Williams, wasn't he playing right tackle uh, when he was coming out? Or was he the left tackle then? I know he's played all over the line, I believe. He, in his final year, he was playing left tackle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Jedrick Wills, who, of course, has been a stud, he was playing right tackle because Leatherwood was on the right. left. So mm-hmm. quite the endorsement for Leatherwood, even though he's not getting much hype. In fact, not even the second highest ranked offensive tackle on this um, draft network board. They have Samuel Cosby of Texas. I wasn't. I've. I need to dig in and really evaluate him more. I've not been impressed by Cosme so far this season. I thought against Tex against Oklahoma, in that you know high scoring game where Texas really played bad early on and got it together in like a two minute desperation offense to even tie that up. I just don't see a lot to get excited about Cosme. Um, he doesn't get me as excited about Connor Williams, who I clearly overrated back then the last Texas um, tackle to be highly rated. So, yeah, I just don't see it with Cosme. I think as he's put under the microscope more, uh, more people will come around to what I'm saying. Yeah. um, So we're going to put Leatherwood here. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, Just real quick. Already I'm getting excited about the Broncos pick. Just looking at the names on the board. Uh, This is great. Um, Defensively, at least, it's setting up really nicely. Kind of Absolutely. an upset to not have a cornerback yet taken. And an upset, to some extent, only two defenders going in the top 10. Though that is, that's the vibe you're going to get from this draft. Um, mm-hmm. And those were Russo and Parsons. Both would be nice in Denver, but you still have plenty of really nice options remaining. We move on to the Detroit Lions at pick number 11. Another candidate for wide receiver, kind of the ceiling for um, Parsons here. At linebacker, they'd really like an interior defensive lineman. My draft crush, Aiden Hutchinson, could stay local and do that necessarily. Um, You know, there are some other guys we've talked up, but I think this is a team that needs to look at wide receiver with the kind of value that's left. Absolutely. And in another team that we're going to talk about most likely with a new regime, um, yes. I don't think Matt Patricia makes it out in the year. And uh, I definitely could see some front office changes there as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is kind of the last push for Matt Stafford here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they got Hawkinson a couple of years ago. Galladay's really kind of ascended into being a, like a top 10, 15 right. option at wide receiver. Um DeAndre really, Swift doing some things. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. DeAndre Swift kind of, I mean, he had the rough week one drop or uh, week exactly. one or two, but he's really kind of come on nice of late. Devontae Smith in this spot would really, I think, make the Lions. I mean, the Lions have been a frisky team over the mm-hmm. past couple of years, but I think this would really kind of help them become a lot more dynamic offensively. Um, yeah, it's just there's so much in the air here. I mean, who's going to come in? Is it the enemy coming in? Who's just going to be the coach right. of this team? It could shape this pick. It's going to shape this pick, frankly. Absolutely. And look, man, Devonte Smith. You look at him on paper. You maybe even look at him on tape. You might not think that's a top eleven pick, though. So he's, he's ranked eleventh on my board. All the guy does is win. Yeah, and he was Tua's favorite target while Tua had. Judy Waddle and uh, rugs available to him. He, he's still one of Mac Jones's favorite targets. He's absolutely um, 
He's absolutely terrific. Um, physical will block well. He just checks off every box. Do not sleep on Devontae Smith because I, I would yeah. never doubt this kid. He's just shown me an ability to, uh, to succeed at all levels. 12 Patriots, a very interesting. Yeah. And yet this might be the easiest pick We've had since Justin Fields at three because mm-hmm. to me, this is Pat Freemuth a hundred percent of the time. Interesting. Okay. Who are you leaning towards? I was thinking you were going to go certain here. Um, you know, Stefan Gilmore's uh-huh. contract situation kind of up in the air. I mean, yeah. they don't really have, I mean, they've got, they, it's new England. They always have these guys that, you know, they look nice. So yeah. maybe that isn't the direction, um, and you're probably probably more so right. The more I think about it now, just because tight end is an absolute void for this team. Yeah. Um, and Fryermuth would, if especially if they keep Cam, and you get a real tight end there, uh, it's going to make him more versatile. It's another safety mm-hmm. blanket for Cam. I mean, we saw how Greg Olson really kind of elevated Cam. Right. Uh, if you get someone that can get somewhere even close to that level of play at tight end and you have Cam still, I think it definitely makes this team better. Yeah. Low-key, this is a team that could be looking at Wyatt Davis, um, though their needs are more at offensive tackle than they are on the inside. But they really value interior offensive linemen, I think about as much as any team in the league. And Wyatt Davis is seen as that high-end guard prospect to warrant a top 15 pick. But yeah. I look at all the holdouts they've had on defense. They drafted the Vandy corner last year, right? Oh, yeah, Um, Jawan Williams. Right, and they still have J.C. Jackson, who I think is great, and some other high-end dudes. Um, Wide receiver, probably more of a need even than tight end. If any of these wide receivers fall in New England's here, I think that's going to have to be it, right? Exactly. Like Devontae Smith, he'd probably settle a tie between him and Freemuth. You know, compared to like Bateman or Rondell Moore, I think I go Freemuth here, even though they did draft two tight ends just last year. They're playing Ryan Izzo over those tight ends. Yeah. And the, the Patriots aren't afraid. You know, Duke Dawson was a second-round pick just two years ago. They traded him like that. They, they get sunk cost fallacy, and they're smart enough to move on if they've made a bad call. They've made a bad call. They're moving on with what would be the top tight end in most classes, and we get to the Broncos pick at pick 13. It's been nothing but wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks. Yeah, it's a shame you miss out on the offensive tackles, but with Garrett Bowles playing like he has and Juwan James coming back, (laughs) maybe that's not even a need. Maybe all the needs now switch to the defensive side anyways. And on defense, my friend, we have lots of options. Yeah. Um, I mean, just off the top, Patrick Sertain, probably the best player available at this point, would be – an, an amazing addition, especially with the way Ojemudi has stepped up. Um, yes. you know, saying Basie kind of banged up at this point, but he's looked serviceable, um, mm-hmm. especially since Boye has been injured. Yep. Uh, and his future with the team is not really solidified, I don't think. So getting a true cornerback one yes. um, at this point would just be invaluable to the Broncos. Yeah, 100%. Um, and to have certain would be really intriguing. Caleb Farley, um, the Vatech kid who uh, isn't playing this year, mm-hmm. he he's a little more boomer bust on a play-by-play basis because he's so big he will get beat from time to time. 
but he's also like he just beasts on dudes and i've said it all along if there's a db in this class that's a fanjo guy to a t it's ohio state sean wade yeah he could be he could be your next kareem jackson he could be your next bryce callahan and he could also be your best lockdown number one cornerback and take over for aj bouye i think a guy with that kind of versatility is really intriguing and yet I think the guy I like most in this spot, Jake, is Dylan oh Moses. Here, I thought this was coming. You Look, saw it coming, huh? I did see it coming. I know you like Dylan Moses a lot. I think there's a, still a bit more to unpack with him. There's yes. been some things, yes. uh, I don't want to say concerning, but I've kind of already written little notes about him that I just want to see or keep track of throughout the year. Um, yeah, tell me about someone, that. So, uh, I can't remember what game it was. It was two, three weeks ago. Um, I think it was the A&M game, actually, mm-hmm. where Alabama, I mean, they were in control of the game yeah. the entire time, basically, right? I mean, I don't want to get that misconstrued at all. It wasn't a close game. But there was a couple plays early on in pass coverage where yes. Dylan Moses just, I don't, it's almost like he lost interest. He was just kind of standing around, didn't really know mm-hmm. what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that kind of raised a, a flag to me. Um, maybe not a big red flag yet, but just something that I want to kind of keep track of. But it is – I think it's time, man. The Broncos have ignored linebacker yeah. for a long, long time. They haven't had a real difference maker at that position. I mean, I, I, who's the last guy? I mean, maybe Trevathan and Marshall back in 15. That was the last time, really, that it was – yeah, though you could almost argue they were more serviceable than standouts. And I don't know, do we sure. go back to DJ Williams? Yeah. Even DJ, you could argue, had some holes in his game and was that, you know, so yeah, it's it's been a minute. You're right. And I think, you know, as well as the Fanjo defense has been to adjust and mold itself to the personnel it has, having a high end linebacker who can really be a high-end contributor on all three downs in all three in all phases is really going to unlock a lot of what is already one of the better defenses in the NFL at this point. Um, but you're right. Moses is still, in my mind, living off a lot of what he impressed me so much with in his tape two years ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm giving him a bit of the benefit of the doubt. I'm liking him more sideline to sideline and coming downhill than I am backing up. Definitely. Um, and you can make a case. Hey, the, the linebacker for the Broncos defense isn't Moses in this class. It's the Jeremiah Wosu Karima mm-hmm. from Notre Dame, who's more like a poor man's Isaiah Simmons almost. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, the set-and-forget prospects are at cornerback where between Sertain, Farley, Sean Wade, Tyson Campbell, Jace Horn, like, have at it. Like, yeah. You're going to be great in any of, the, any of those spots. It's kind of crazy we don't have any upgrades available on the defensive line at edge rusher. I mean, mm-hmm. it's basically yeah. it's the guys we just mentioned, the cornerbacks, one linebacker. And like some interior offensive linemen, which while well, Glasgow's been a bit of a disappointment, I am concerned at times when I watch Reisner, who I think since looking really good in the first half of his rookie season has yet to it's return shaky. to that form. Yep. 
Yeah. And Christian Berry, of course, as a true rookie starter at center, has had many issues, probably yeah. given been asked to succeed in one-on-one situations way more than he should. Um, centers usually are always benefiting from double blocks. He's seen a lot more one-on-one stuff. Um, so, you know, you could Creed Humphrey, Wyatt Davis could be in the mix. Mm-hmm. In the end, though, I think it comes down to one of the two back seven towns for Alabama. And you've talked me into Patrick Sertain. Yeah, man. I just, I still see Sertain, even though he hasn't really shown it yet on tape um, that I've seen yet. I mean, I'll have to go back and watch, but he's still kind of a blue chip prospect for me. Um, Only top 10 prospect on my board still available at this spot. So I agree. Yes, you're checking off multiple boxes. I mean, including the bloodlines. I mean, of course, his father was a big big time player in the NFL. So you're getting that. Um, you're getting an Alabama prospect, another Alabama prospect in the first round for Denver after that's not taking right. one under Elway. Um, so yeah, that's man. If we got certain, that would be a home run pick. I think he kind of would be the Judy of the defense. Definitely. I mean, this is a guy who since starting as a true freshman at Alabama, we've been like, Whoa, I remember mm-hmm. on the same pod with AJ being like, yeah, that's a dude in 2021. Just like, <laughs> Pencil him in, man. He's ready to go now. Um, so, no, I'm with you. I think if there was one pick where we could get a steal with how this board fell, that's the guy, and I feel very good about it. So, there you go. This was awesome to do. I'm so glad we could get into this. I hope you enjoyed it. That really was a nice exercise, engaging this class, gauging how it really yeah. is all about offense. It's all about the skill positions. And that might actually be a great thing for the Broncos who have drafted tight ends, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and finally maybe have some decent options at offensive tackle. This played out really nicely. And you just think you return all the guys from injury, you return Vaughn, you add Patrick Sertain. All of a sudden, looking pretty pretty (laughs) nice. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right, Jake, thanks for doing that. Thank you guys for listening in. Thank you to DraftKings, our presenting sponsor, for making this all possible. We will catch you again next week. Look forward to addressing your questions and all of that as well. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. See you again soon.